3: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that ordered our podcast starter kit on Amazon, it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Saturday mornings or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he moved freaking mountains to change his schedule for us, and then we freaking showed up. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy. And each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else in the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. When you say movies, his brain hears chocolate. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm trying to connect this to whatever we're talking about today. And it's it's only been a few days since I've seen either of these Mm -hmm, pictures, but... mm -hmm. Remind me again, what, what is the chocolate reference to? Oh,
3: that is that is something in the Atom Project uh, that uh, Ryan Reynolds says. Like He's talking about things being classified, and the kid just looks at him. And he's like, when I say classified, do you, does your brain hear oh, chocolate? Yeah. Oh, yes, okay, okay,
4: okay. <laughs> That was a a deep reference. Okay, I'll take it. Chocolate's good. There you go. Adam Project, also good. Uh, Well,
3: spoilers, we're not quite there yet. Uh, (sighs) Sorry, I ruined the whole show. Ruined the whole show. It's over now. Um, We'll just pack up and go home. (laughs) Um, No, before we get into our reviews today, which I'm looking forward to, Adam Project and Windfall... Uh, and our best ever Ryan Reynolds movies, uh, which we'll be talking about as well. The best ever challenge. Uh, did want to do one final mention of the sposkers. You have less than a week left. In fact, probably just a few days left uh, to get in your sposker picks for this yeah. year. And that again is at sifpop.com. Just click on where it says sposkers up at the top and you should be able to get your picks in. Uh, we are looking forward to... I still to- need to
2: do it. Doing a Same. live
3: show, yeah. I plan on getting an email out to all our guest gurus and writers and all that, and make sure all the the people involved uh, know to go there and do that. I'll send a link to you guys uh, because we do two competitions: one between the gurus, and then a overall uh, competition. And I plan well. to lose both of them <laughs> spectacularly. Uh, yeah, so that's coming up. We will be. You doing have until.
4: Yeah, you have until Oscar Sunday to get your picks in. And I know I will probably be using this entire week to binge the remaining uh, sort of subsidiary films. I have one best picture left, but all those like side categories, Mm -hmm. the short, the documentaries, those are just complete guesses most years. Mm -hmm. And every year I tell myself, I'm going to watch some, so I'm not completely guessing. And And every uh, year. Spoiler (laughs) alert, it's going to be a complete guess on Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Uh it is it is
3: interesting to try to guess on especially some of those shorts uh categories uh for the Oscars. But that's what makes it fun. Uh we will have the same tiebreaker again this year, which is length of broadcast, uh so which will be even more fraught with meaning as they have moved some awards to the pre show. Uh to I can't edit believe them they're in.
4: sticking with this. I really thought they were gonna blink no. and and and, and that the, they were going to be called out on their bluff but they're really going to relegate i think eight awards of the more technical variety to a pre-show recording that are then aired tape delayed during the show but edited down so it happens quicker and yeah i i don't know I, I don't I, think I like it.
3: <laughs> I I I don't like it, but I'm the one who wants it to be seven hours long. So like you know, just have yeah, we fun, are blow the target.
4: That's what's what's frustrating though. Aaron is that we are the target audience. the The ratings on the Oscars dwindle every year, but like the diehard faithful who are still tuning in don't want this. So the Oscars, the Academy uh, is trying to. I, I guess appeal to the middle, appeal to the masses. Like, what if, what if we give you more cotton candy? What if we give we give you more jet ski giveaways? Like, we, we don't care about that. Like, just you know, prop up the movies that do well, and and just give us what we want instead of giving people who never watch the Oscars something we don't think they even care about.
2: What like, pointless pageantry is what I call yeah, it.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What it, what's, That's a much what's, quicker way to say what I did.
3: <laughs> what's what's best case scenario for this decision, right? Best case scenario for this decision is they make a th- three-hour show. That's their goal, right? We're going to keep it three hours and it's going to run tight. Oh, congratulations. I'm sure everyone in the audience is going to be like, you know, hey,
4: you made a three-hour show
3: as opposed to, you know, three hours and 15 minutes or whatever the case may be.
4: Yeah. Um, how much do they realistically trim right. by cutting out some of the the applause or like the walking to the stage? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's uh, and so you've kind of got a situation where if it goes long again, it's like, great job. Well, you cut them out, and you still went long. And if it doesn't, it's like, okay, so it didn't.
2: <laughs> it's like here's how die. you need to start doing the Oscars. You start need you you start doing the Oscars like you do uh, America's Got Talent or any of those real realistic shows where you don't have the people who are being nominated for the award giving out sitting in their chairs. You put them all on stage. And then you say, Anthony Hopkins, you are the best actor of 2021. And, you know, then he shakes each other's hands and he's already on stage. So he just walks over to the podium and he thanks his competition and then he thanks everybody else. And then they all leave. And in the back, or what is, what is it, uh, whenever you're, uh, the baseball tour, whenever you're uh, practice swinging and stuff before you actually bullpen you yeah, Thank you then in the bullpen you have the next people up you know so you just
4: it's it's interesting I, I feel, right that's like, not a terrible idea but I don't know that the waiting to be called and walking to stage is where they're spending all their time yeah they're just they're not they're not planning a show well
2: <laughs> no
3: it's, it's easy for us to to you know armchair it, it from where we are, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I really do think it comes down to foundational decisions about who you're doing the show for, why are you doing it, what is the case. If you are celebrating movies, if you want once a year to put on a show that will celebrate what movies were the previous year, give away awards for who did it the best. I love all that stuff, but there are so many ways you would make different decisions with the show. You would nominate... 10 people in every category because you'd get to honor more people. You know what I mean? Like you would get to be able to say, here are 10 amazing performances and yes, we're going to award one, um, you know, but do it that way. Uh, and What's that's the
2: most they've ever nominated for best picture. Was
4: it 10. eight? Well, 10, 10,
3: 10 is the, is the number. Um, so and I'm glad
4: they actually did that this year because they they increased the category from 5 to 10 back in 2011 or so. 2011, 2012.
3: Well, not to technically and 10, but to a certain kind allow of Allow up to 10. Up to 10, yeah.
4: And ever since then, since they expanded the category up to 10, they've only actually used 10, I think, once the first year they did it, which I think was the year Black Swan was nominated. So, like, 2010, I think. 2009, 2010. And I'm glad they're just like, yeah. If you have ten slots, use them all. Like, what? What's the point otherwise? Mm-hmm. Feature more films, give more of them spotlight. Uh, a movie like Coda, which I loved, I don't think is going to be seen by many people unless it has, you know, an Oscar nomination sticker on the DVD uh, yeah. at Walmart. You know what I mean? Like that definitely helps visibility for some of those smaller pictures. Um, by that same token, though, I would prefer, like more montages, more songs. And more of that, like, remember when Billy Crystal used to do his opening monologue mm-hmm. where he would be in the movies and he would bounce around from scene yeah. to scene and, like, re-edit? Yeah. That was fun. Do more of that stuff. And and less of the garbage where Jimmy Kimmel goes into a theater and shoots, like, T-shirts at people. <laughs> like, that's funny. But, like, that's not – that's nothing to do with the movies. It's just something to keep, like, the literal live audience warm. And mm-hmm, we don't yeah. need to waste time on that stuff.
3: Yep. Um we have all the answers. Nobody ever calls us though. We do. So we do, Aaron. Just, I just, think just you're let us you're, know. you're
4: joking, but genuinely <laughs> I think the three of us could probably do We wouldn't it wouldn't be worse. I don't think we could do a worse job.
3: That's true. We couldn't take the reins <laughs> after the, after the one they did
4: the the COVID thing last year where they did they saved the best supporting actor for last and it went to Hopkins instead of Bozeman like mm-hmm. that. That was just a train wreck everyone saw it coming. It was no way that works out well.
3: It no. just even if Chadwick wins, it's still I know. not great. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess, all that to say, get your Sposkers picks in. Sifpop.com, uh, <laughs> uh, click on Sposkers. We will be there live to tear apart uh, the Academy Awards decisions, every last one of them. Uh, all right, guys, sure let's best. get into the reviews. Let's kick it off with The Adam Project.
1: Do you remember this? I mean, if this is happening to me, it already happened to you, right? Unless it works more like a multiverse where each triple creates an it's alternate timeline. Right? multiverse?
2: My God, we watch too many movies.
3: So Bunny 50, is it really bad? It's
0: not great. Find him. Get ready to run. <laughs>
3: After accidentally crash landing in 2022, time-traveling fighter pilot pilot Adam Reed teams up with his 12-year-old self on a mission to save the future. If a lot of that sounds like spoilers, well, I don't even know how to define spoilers anymore. Um, I watched this movie without knowing uh, a lot of that stuff, and the movie definitely treats it like information it's revealing to you. But then if you watch the trailers or any of the marketing or descriptions it's all right there so I guess we're giving it to you um so yeah what did you think of the atom project guys did you like it love it dislike it hate it or it was just okay uh Andrew kick us off
2: I'm gonna go with liked it but I'm so close to really liked it if it wasn't for one scene Mm.
3: all right okay excited to get into
4: that one scene then uh
3: John what about you
4: high side I liked it for sure
3: very very nice um I guess I get to be the downer and say you're both wrong because I actually loved it. Uh, I'm on the the low
4: side of loved it. Genuinely thought you were going. You fooled me. You don't usually. Usually I could see right through your shtick, but that time I was like, oh, he. I guess he didn't like it because I can see why someone wouldn't like it.
3: Absolutely, hundred percent.
4: I want to preface everything we say over the next 15 minutes by saying if you're tired of the Ryan Reynolds style you are not going to be converted by the Adam Project. It is more 100%. of the same, but like I, for me, I don't know, his like sarcastic wit, I still enjoy it. And this is definitely better than, uh, what was it, Project Red or the Red, what was it Red called? Notice. Red Notice, I'm just mashing titles. We had <laughs> Turning Red and Red Notice and Adam Project. Um, yeah, this is way better than that. Uh, and I even t- that was, I think, pretty watchable.
3: I think that was watchable as well, uh, although there are, I have a lot more problems with Red Notice than I do with The Atom yeah. Project. Uh, yeah, I will echo what you say and just say I know that I am forgiving a lot for this movie because I'm having so much fun. Um, and there, th- I'm aware of that, and that's okay. I, th- I think that's that is kind of in many ways the goal of a good movie is to get you to suspend your disbelief and just go, sure. it's okay, you're having fun, let's all keep having fun. Um, and I think The Adam Project definitely does that. Uh, what really pushes it into the loved it category for me, and again, it's low side of loved it. Um, and I did debate between high side of liked it and low side of loved it. But what pushed it into the, the loved it category for me is I think the emotional stuff in this movie really works. Um, this the, is this uh,
4: is one thing director Sean Levy has consistently nailed. I just went back and rewatched one of his first features, Cheaper by the Dozen. Not a great film. I don't know why I got a remake this week, but there's a lot of heart in it. And I think one of the reasons that Free Guy, his last picture with Ryan, worked really well is because it nailed the character beats and the emotional resonance of that, mm-hmm. which is otherwise just like a, a schlocky pop culture, just, you know, weapon. it's weaponized pop culture is what mm-hmm. Free Guy is. Yeah. Yeah. And the Atom Project, I think, is another sort of, uh, at least from a conceptual standpoint, kind of a bargain bin, sci-fi, trope-heavy narrative. Like, all right, time travel and like spaceships and laser swords, we've seen this before. But the, yeah, the character work really works and i think that was uh, for the same reason uh i agree with you Aaron. that that's why i really liked this one
3: there's a scene with uh jennifer garner and ryan reynolds uh in the bar in the bar that i think is one of the most powerful scenes i've seen this year in movie i i was into it and just i mean i found it emotional and moving i was tearing up um yeah, it's in in the movie is thematically staying consistent with what it's trying to do because it really is about the. It, this is not a new idea. This is not a new idea at all. The idea of revisiting your younger self, learning lessons about your parents, understanding them as human beings when you were a kid, you didn't understand it. That like all of this has been gone over before, but it's done really well here. Inconsistently, inconsistently. The execution. Yeah, there's mom and dad stuff here that is. That I thought was really, really powerful. So, yeah,
4: yeah, I appreciated that the story did not get bogged down with the like the tech details. I would have loved to have seen more of like the future and mm-hmm. more and learn more about the world building and the technology and like the concept and politics of time travel. But ultimately, this movie wisely, I think, went in the other direction and kept things really intimate and small. And I think the entire cast, if you take out some of the henchmen really only has like five or six players. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that it was mostly just a story of one family overcoming uh, grief and dealing with uh, the opportunities that arise from Mm -hmm. time travel. The the idea of second chances is explored really thoroughly here in a way that was very reminiscent of the series finale of Quantum Leap. And that scene in the bar reminded me uh, of that, that very final scene in the very final episode of Quantum Leap where Sam leaps back and tells Al's wife your husband is alive. He's in Vietnam, and he's going to come home. And there's something about that—that that truth where you see someone tell you something, and you want to believe it so badly. Uh, and that scene in the bar where Jennifer Garner is, is talking to—she doesn't know it's her future son, but they're having that conversation, and he's telling her like these hard truths. But there's so much like earnestness behind his words and authenticity that she's like, "Okay, i be- there's something about you, I believe it because I want to and I need to believe it." Uh, and I really love that stuff. It was just really powerful in a in a way that like I was not expecting from a movie like this.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I will also mention Walker Scoble, who plays young Ryan Reynolds, uh, or I should say, young whatever Ryan Reynolds' character's name is. Uh, Adam. It's Adam. It's irrelevant. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is at first I wasn't sold, but then very quickly I was like, oh, I you know. He's doing a great young Ryan Reynolds impersonation here. It's clear Ryan is writing his lines in a Ryan cadence. uh, And there's some fun (laughs) stuff there. Um, So I thought that was fine. Uh, But it
2: didn't feel like he was parroting, you know? No, no. He was making it his own while at the same time being genuine to what Ryan Reynolds was trying to do. Yeah. Which is interesting because you would think Ryan Reynolds being, you know, the more seasoned actor, it would be easier for him to you know, try and pick up the mannerisms mm-hmm. of Walker. But no, good good on him, young Walker, for trying to step up to the plate and doing a good job of making me think that this is the young version of Ryan Reynolds.
4: It's actually the opposite, right? Because the kid is is new and more malleable, uh, malleable as a, a younger talent, whereas Ryan has pretty much played the exact same character for 20 years now, and he's stuck. He's stuck in what his thing is. Which is that breathless, deadpan sarcasm. So, yeah, it's easier to bring the kid up to his level than vice versa. Mm-hmm. And it really worked. There's a scene where they, there's a, they, obviously, they share a bunch of scenes together. But there's one at a picnic table, like two-thirds of the way through the film, that felt like a, like a fun therapy session almost. Like this, these were two characters, mm-hmm. the same person, sort of hashing out their own issues with each other. Uh, and that was another one that was like, wow, this is, this is some deep stuff here. This is like legitimately emotionally powerful material. And mm. a movie that, again, just made a lightsaber joke like 10 minutes prior. <laughs> uh,
3: all Ryan Reynolds movies must have a lightsaber joke uh, at this point. That's that's it going um, forward. There's at least
4: two or three of them now. Does he make one in Deadpool? I think he does. He probably does. I think does, there's a lightsaber probably. joke in one of the Deadpools.
3: Can I tell you something really dumb my brain did during this movie? This has nothing to do with how good the movie is in any way, shape, form, or anything. Uh, you may? Yes. The, the, uh, the scene you're talking about with them sitting across from each other on the picnic table. My brain... In that moment, was like, wow, that's a really good split screen shot.
4: <laughs> I'm like, you I could get because the way t- it's the way it's the way it's framed, it's like a Wes Anderson shot. It's like right, completely right. perpendicular. Symmetry. All right angles, and they're on either on either side I'm of like, a wide frame, and you can split it right down the middle.
3: I'm like, you moron. They're, they're two, that's a completely <laughs> different young actor. It's not like it's both Ryan Reynolds. Like, I was just like, my brain. Why are you doing that?
2: The most impressive deep fake the world has ever seen. <laughs> it was impressive. Uh,
4: you joke, but I feel like in 10 more years, our de-aging will get to the mm-hmm. point where you can play your, your adolescent self. And well, like, on one negative, there is a negative to this movie. And it's Katherine Keener's uh, D age double. It looks atrocious. I'm sorry. Yeah, it really it, does. I, I don't know. They, they needed to leave that one in the oven for longer because compared to the contemporaries in the Marvel universe, this did not look ready. It for didn't Primes
3: bother me as much as it seemed to bother you guys. But I don't know if it, it
4: bothered me. To, I was like, woof! That just like this does not look like a human face. This looks like plastic being like marionetted yeah. on someone else's. Bo- I think it, that's why it wasn't a D age. I think it was a deep fake. I think it was another actor. And they Mm. put Catherine's face on her rather than Catherine's performance aged down. Mm. I think that's why it looked weird to me. Because, like, the face, I don't think it was the same size or proportion. Like, she had a different sized face. And that, that definitely threw me. Uh,
3: still on the good stuff. Um, there were a couple moments where I was just like, Oh, that was cool. Like there, they did some stuff with some of the future tech, um, that I, I really, really enjoyed specifically some of the ways, uh, that he would use the quote unquote lightsaber or whatever you want to call it. The, the pulse stick. Um, I thought there was some real fun ways that was used. And I always enjoy that when, in a movie like this, they actually do some thinking and go, okay, how can we be creative with, you know, what we're doing here? Um, so, so yeah, I did enjoy that as well. Um, Andrew, you want to transition us into uh,
2: some of the negatives? I'd be happy to. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, honestly, my only negative for this movie, because like you said, there are some incredible emotional, like, heart-wrenching beats in this movie but there in the third act i'll just say there's the final fight there's a, there's always a final fight mm-hmm. in these movies is one of the most like cringe-worthy like how could you do the rest of this movie so good but this one important final confrontation be so bad honestly i was i was right there with the insane clown posse magnets <laughs> how do they work mm-hmm. you know because it's very selective And it became slapsticky, where I think the rest of the movie kind of did take itself seriously, yeah. You know, to to the extent that the rest of the movie did, but this is like way out in left field. Like, oh, just get ready, you just got to hold on to this one thing because I'm trying to walk around spoilers, but like, I'll just say the room is being destroyed very selectively, and there's yeah, no, no reason it was, def- or reason to it was definitely
4: happening. um shades of fast furious nine again yeah. like magnets it's just whatever we want <laughs>
2: yeah I, I i didn't i
3: i mean i i didn't have i had more issue with the time travel than i did the magnets like i had like what if,
4: about the time travel uh annoyed you
3: uh just, he's always annoyed by time travel. just that it didn't make any sense um the the idea that uh Especially when you get to the end, and I don't I want to be, I think I walk around this. There is a direct impact that happens at the very end of the movie that the movie has explicitly said earlier isn't the kind of thing that would happen with what this time travel is. I don't know that I walked around that
4: expert. You're talking enough. about like the like the coda of the film, like the epilogue? No. Oh. No, so the, before the climax. is Okay,
2: let's just say, it does is the it climax. involve baseball?
3: No doesn't involve a baseball Does it involve um, a classroom no 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 involves magnets but um, oh, okay. it, oh. and and what they pull on and where they pull them and then what happens after they're pulled through what they pull uh, the mag- the thing that they're pulling through
4: um, yeah. <laughs> there is... Right, I understand what you're saying so it's a grandfather paradox right correct correct yes, yeah. if, yes. if what they did worked then the movie should reset then not correct an our so
3: then. many things in the movie, would have been different if that's how this version of time travel worked. But also the movie explicitly has a conversation earlier in the movie that that is not how this version of time travel works. So it's right. just like – it's it's very clear that they just wanted a moment there and then it just completely broke the world for me. And then I was just like, you know, whatever. I get it. I was, I was willing I'm, – I'm always willing to suspend some disbelief with time travel. I get it, whatever paradoxes, you know. But this, this movie um, went against its own rules enough that I was just like, I'm annoyed. I'm just I'm annoyed that we yeah. just can't stick to our own time travel rules um, so yeah so there was that uh, but yeah it's it, it, but see at the end of the day that's that's the exact kind of stuff that I'm saying like I'm fine I'm fine because I'm having yeah. a great time and yeah. I don't I don't care that the magnets are dumb I don't care that the time travel is you know doesn't make sense to me like I'm I'm having fun I believe in the relationships and the characters and the emotions and, uh, and that's fun enough for me. So, yeah.
4: And I, I think just sort of as a wish fulfillment, the idea of going back and like knocking some sense into your younger mm-hmm. self, yeah, trying to help him out with, with bullies and, and like handling his grief and setting him up for the issues he's going to have to face as he grows up. I think those are some really interesting and relatable conversations. Um, And and plus on the other side, we got a, a 13 on 30 uh Reunion, reunion, with Mark yeah. and, uh, uh, Jennifer there, which was yeah. great. Yeah. And like, I think every, at this point, it's so interesting that every person in every movie is just a Marvel guy. This we had, we had Hulk, and Deadpool, and uh, Gamora, mm-hmm. and uh, Elektra from another Marvel franchise. It's just like <laughs> at this point, like every person is like a famous Marvel actor from another film. It's like oh, this mm-hmm. is also in some way like a really neat Marvel crossover of a bunch of yeah. different actors.
3: Yeah, it's uh it's a new trope. Uh, Mark Ruffalo creates time travel in a movie uh it is yeah <laughs> it's, it's just a new thing yeah
4: though it's, it's hard to miss some of these parallels uh, and and definitely shades of time cup during the the climax there mm-hmm. um, without spoiling anything if you've seen time cup you'll be like hey I remember this <laughs> yeah yeah uh well there you go
3: that is the Adam project um
4: any final thoughts John? Uh, there was a, a field of dreams moment in this that I also mm-hmm. really enjoyed, uh, again, without spoiling things if I can. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I think the, the the sort of wonky visual effects and some of that wonky time travel uh, did not take me out of it. Um, and I think just on character and story alone, this was a really compelling film, and I will probably rewatch this one. Uh,
3: my one last thing would be just to say that nothing against Zoe, uh, Saldana. Um, I, she can be in anything she wants to be, but I don't think this story needed that character. Um, I felt- She
4: was kind of superfluous. It was, Mm -hmm. it was sort of the, it was the, the, the inciting incident that sort of get Ryan Mm -hmm. into the past. Uh, but yeah, she really didn't need to be there at all.
3: Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah, I think there are ways to work around a couple of cliche type things with that character by just eliminating the character. The idea of, you know, um, I mean, very much it's it's fridging. It's a little spin on fridging because, you know, the character does play a role uh, later on. But the idea of, you know, the motivation being the death of a female in his life and then also the very tropey thing of just having to have a relationship. Like that's, you know, there's always gotta be a love story somewhere. And uh, I just don't think the movie needed it. I think you could have written it differently and kind of gotten around that. Uh, Andrew, do you have any uh, final thoughts on the Atom project?
2: No post credit scene. Oh,
3: well, there you go, there you go. All right, let's move into our next review. Uh, Windfall on Netflix.
1: This guy breaks into my house Holy. And he just sit down on the couch. Okay, but how about you? You let go of my wife first. And I've had to hold his hand. How does this open? Is there a trick to the purse? No, there's a clasp. And help him rob us. I want a hundred fifty thousand dollars. You think that's enough?
2: Yeah, I think you're probably going to want more than that.
3: A man breaks into a tech billionaire's empty vacation home, but things go sideways when the arrogant mogul and his wife arrive for a last-minute getaway. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, John, you get to kick us off this time. Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay?
4: Yeah, I liked it. Low side, I liked it. Just okay.
3: Low side, I liked it for John. Andrew, what about you?
2: I really liked it.
3: High side, of liked it for Andrew. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go low side of liked it. I teetered on maybe even high side of just okay, but I think there's enough good here that I'm going to go on low side of liked it. This is a, a three-hander. This is just three. Well, I guess there, there are other. The, yeah, I guess you there's took, a I fourth. was going to
4: use, I love that phrase. Three-hander is such an old style, mm-hmm. a stage kind of direction, but that uh, mm-hmm. it, it absolutely is. This is like, uh, you know, a 95 minute three-hander. Yeah. One location. They kind of go outside, but it's mostly just the house. Mm Uh, and it's, it's definitely a product of lockdown cinema. This was in the height of COVID protocols. They must've filmed this. Uh, and you can tell like everyone at any time is just Mm -hmm. only three people on camera and they're spread out across the set. It kind of works.
3: Yep. It is a three-hander with a fourth character that is kind of in and out, um, during the show so yeah uh you've got jason siegel lily collins and jesse plemons um in this one uh plemons man he's doing everything these days uh yeah. andrew what about you did you say where did you end up really liked it. yeah well why don't you go first then if if uh you're kind of the highest on it of all of us what are some of your thoughts
2: um performance wise i think everybody's on their game in this one everybody's giving a great performance especially Especially Jesse Plemons, oh, yeah. I mean the range this guy has. The more and more of his like movies that I watch, the more and more I'm like, this guy's gonna win an Oscar someday. Like it's gonna happen.
4: He might win it, it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it might. You might not have to wait very long.
2: Yeah, um, but the thing that I love about Jesse Plemons is the fact that he has a, a subtlety to all of his characters, mm-hmm. but somehow they're also very different. Like, he doesn't. They all feel so genuine, I guess. And with the exception of Game Night, where he's trying to be extra, you know, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, he's the best part of Game Night, too. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think that he does a great job in this movie. And, you know, Jason Siegel, he's right there with him. Like, I haven't seen Jason Siegel in a minute. And to see him do something like this, I'm like, well, good for you. And Lily Collins, I mean. Everybody loves Lily Collins. It's not like she's going to do anything that we're all going to be upset about. <laughs> so, but no, she's great. I think that the the dynamic between the three of them you got to have good chemistry for this type of movie, mm-hmm. and I think they all work really well with each other. Uh, I love the directorial style of it. I'm just listing off everything I love about this movie. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not really familiar with uh, Charlie McDowell. I never saw the one I love. So it's really good. Uh, it's really good, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, this is just a great movie. It's shot well. I, I love that this is that what could have been easily just a, a, a twenty minute short, is stretched out mm-hmm. to an hour and a half, but it doesn't feel like any of that time was wasted,
4: because I a little, a little bit of a disagree there, but I I do appreciate what you're saying.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you guys talk now.
3: Yeah, why don't you continue on uh, with uh, what, what you were disagreeing about, John?
4: Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the story at whatever it is, 95 minutes, just over an hour and a half, yeah. is pretty threadbare. Like the concept is executed to its fullest in the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the movie basically wraps up every loose end 10 minutes into its runtime. And then like out of nowhere, it's like, oh, wait, 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 you have to go back and start over. That like sort of stutter start w- was weird from a pacing perspective, and then the rest of the movie is, we kind of already know what the end game is, what it looks like. Now we have to get back there, and the movie just sort of spins its wheels in place, which obviously adds to the tension. Uh, and there's a good deal of like dark comedy kind of sprinkled in throughout that keeps things kind of uh, maybe not light, but not like super somber. Uh, but I yeah. did feel I did feel the runtime in a few scenes. Uh, there's there's literally a montage at one point where everyone's just, like, watching the paint dry on the walls because they're trying to elicit the boredom of a long-term kidnapping. Uh, and sometimes that boredom kind of bleeds into my experience. We're like, all right, let's get to the next beat. We, we, I get that they're just sitting here on the couch looking at each other dramatically. What happens next? Um, but that the part of that is intentional. It's certainly you, you're supposed to feel that, that, the weight of, like, crushing boredom and that, like, ticking clock of... When is something going to happen? Um, but everything else you said was completely on point. The, the performances, especially Jesse, uh, were incredible. I kind of really appreciate that, like, really small-scale style film. This feels like something Hitchcock might have done if he only had, like, three weeks to make a movie. Uh, it's the kind of thing you can kind of turn around quickly on a low budget. Yeah. And, and it and it doesn't show. This looks like a really glossy, well-done, well-produced film. Yeah. Even though I, I I don't know what they spent on it, but, like, probably less than, like, $5 million. This does not seem like it would have been a All very expensive... went into the house. <laughs> yeah, right. Just Airbnb that thing for a few weeks and you got yourself your only location.
2: Uh, I'm not seeing a budget anywhere. I think a better name for this movie would be My Kidnapping with Andre. Because <laughs> it's it's really, like, after, like you said, after that initial 10, 15 minutes, it becomes a philosophical kind of morality, societal, like a introspective look and that's oh. honestly like that could I could see how that could be like, Oh, so you're just stretching out the movie. But for some reason, that's the part that captivated me. That's the part that really grabbed me and made me go, oh, this is the movie I didn't know I wanted, but I really, I'm glad I'm here now.
4: Yeah. I, I described it uh, uh, in my review on letterboxd as an uncomfortable therapy session. Uh, it's sort of like these three people are working out their issues with each other, with society, with uh just the entire concept of billionaires as a class uh and they're they're sort of like airing out their grievances and it, it was like a really uh therapeutic uh like session to kind of sit in with these characters as they just hash this out they just get out their problems mm-hmm. and deal with their feelings in a way that's interesting because they're being held at gunpoint and there's money involved and lives at stake um yeah i, I kind of i really appreciated that sort of angle on it
3: yeah, you guys are hitting on some stuff. Um, I, for me, this felt like a short film stretch to 90 minutes. Um, the, it is it is technically proficient. Uh, some of the shots are really beautiful. I love the way the camera works. I love a lot of the movement of the camera. I love the, a lot of the framing. Um, and like you mentioned, the performances are, are really good. Um, I just, I felt just like the space in between actual plot movement and it didn't feel like that space was doing much for the story for me. Um, so there yeah, I just it got it got to feel to me like it was quite stretched out um, in in that way. Uh, I also feel like it's it's really shooting for some big like it feels like it wants to be Hitchcock. It feels like it wants to be the Coen brothers uh, in some ways. I got a
4: sense of that, especially like the last 10, 15 minutes where things finally start clicking Mm -hmm. into place. You get the sense that like, oh, if the entire movie had kind of gone down this road, it would Mm -hmm. have been definitely Coen-esque or or Hitchcockian even.
3: Yeah. And it feels like it wants to be a treatise of some sort. Um, You know, it's definitely talky enough to get into some of that stuff. Uh, and so, not that that stuff has to be cross-purposed, but it does feel like it it doesn't quite get what it's aiming for or fulfill the promise of, you know, what it's trying to do. Um, I, just, I did find myself wondering at many, many points, like what am I feeling here? Is that what I'm supposed to be feeling here? Is that what the goal is for me to be feeling here? How am I feeling about this character? Is that really what they're going for? Um, You know, I think the, the movie has a clear, clear finish. Like it says some things with how it finishes uh, very clearly. I just don't know that it was really saying those things a whole lot during the, the actual movie itself. It almost, it almost felt like a, um, in many ways, a twist. It almost felt like a twist ending that really wasn't a twist. Um, so It's interesting so. you say that
4: because having, hearing you articulate it uh, kind of puts something uh, that I wasn't able to formulate, which is my, uh, I don't know, feeling towards or empathy with Jason Siegel's character because he's effectively mm-hmm. the villain. He's the kidnapper. He's the criminal. But because he's the first person we see on camera, we immediately, just by virtue of the empathy machine, we are... With him,
1: mm-hmm. and
4: there's something where I'm like, I kind of want to see him succeed, but at the same time, i was like, he's also kind of pushing things, and he's 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 very polite and mild mannered as terms of like a, mm-hmm. a gun wielding kidnapper goes. But at the same time, he he can't be the hero because he he is doing some things that are morally and objectionably wrong. So yeah, the whole time I'm kind of like, Wait, I'm I'm not supposed to root for the billionaire. I, I that doesn't mm-hmm. or the criminal yeah. and. So, uh, yeah, you are left in a spot where I was interested to see how things unfold, but I didn't really have a horse in the race. And I think that created a, a little bit of, like, emotional detachment that mm. I think if, if his character was maybe more, like, straight arrow, for lack of a better term, maybe I would have connected with him and wanted him to succeed. Uh, whereas the whole time, I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't really care if he makes it out or if he doesn't. Like, I'm, I'm in a spot now where I'm, like, I'm interested to see what happens, but not because I'm connected emotionally.
3: I you know I'm obviously trying to tiptoe around spoilers uh you know there the movie is doing some things with the Lily James character throughout the movie I'm not saying Collins. that they uh sorry yes Lily Collins um uh, apologies
4: uh, th- I say I told my wife I'm like what do you mean you, they don't look anything like I'm like sweetheart they they're the same person I can't my brain <laughs> thinks they're the same they're the same age the same haircut they they both English they both have the same first name I, I all the time. All the time. Uh,
3: so, anyways the, the movie is the movie is doing stuff with a with Lily's character throughout the film. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying as far as what it's trying to hit us over the head with at the end, um, forgive the turn of phrase, is not something that it's really layering in any kind of meaningful or important way uh, that I noticed throughout the movie.
4: Yeah, I, um, that's what I would agree with for sure.
3: So, so yeah, I again, I just it feels like one of those movies that maybe thinks it's a little more clever than it really is. Uh, and I know that's a terrible thing to say, and I hope you understand the the spirit of what I mean by that. But, um, but it just, I think
4: I, I think I wrote literally that phrase in my review. Oh, clever did you? <laughs> than I think, clever than I, and it, it is kind of an overwrought phrase or yeah, overwrought criticism. Yeah. But I, I did feel like this movie and its dialogue felt a bit maybe loftier than it's actually, mm-hmm. than it actually was.
3: Yes. Yeah. And
4: that's not explicitly like a terrible thing. Sometimes. No. Uh, that, that can't, I, Aaron Sorkin is famous for like, you know, overreaching and, and thinking he's the smartest person in every room. And we get some brilliant scripts out of it, but sometimes like, all right, you're, you're not, you're not that smart. We we all kind of knew this.
3: Like I said, I think there's a, a 25 to 35 minute version of this story shot in this way with these characters that is dynamite like you know like it just I, I just didn't need it to be 90 minutes it was one of the longest 90 minutes that that i felt uh in wow my life. but yeah
4: i actually do wonder if there's enough material uh, available in this cut if you could without any other footage cut it down to like a 30 or 40 minute short and yeah. I, I think there's entire subplots you you cut out and mm-hmm. there's an, there's one entire character i would remove wholesale And I think you could you could probably get this like a thirty minute short that will probably Mm -hmm. work really strong. Yeah. I think I think it's all in there. Like the like the heavy beats that really matter.
3: I think you need that character, unfortunately. I think to do what the story is really trying to do, I think that character does need to be. You're probably right. And and that moment is one of the few big moments in the movie. Like the like one of the few big energy feel something you know, kind of moments that the movie delivers. It's almost where the movie says, Oh, this is this is this is real. This is serious. You know, this you Yeah, know, yeah. It,
4: we're 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 kinda of, we're locking the door, you're inside the room, now yeah. we're we're hashing this out. Now this are is,
3: you paying yeah. attention? You know, like yeah. that that kind of thing. So yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Um We just tiptoed around a lot, so if you haven't seen the movie, I don't think it's <laughs> spoiled for you, but I don't think anything just made sense. So hopefully you have seen it,
2: and you get what we were, you get. What we went. <laughs>
4: uh, further thoughts,
3: Andrew. What about you?
4: No post-credits scene.
3: Yeah, that is true. Uh, John, do you have anything else you wanted to mention?
4: Uh, happy birthday to Lily Collins, who celebrated her 33rd birthday the day this movie came out on March 18th. Oh. So, but how old is I it? was I? Was I, I was looking her up because I'm like, I, is this Lily James or the other one? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, her birthday is literally today, the day the movie came out. So. Well, there Happy you go. Happy birthday to her.
3: Happy birthday indeed.
4: And also, uh, Phil Collins's daughter, which I think is also a fun fact.
3: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that is cool. Uh, I would say for my final thing, uh, this is one of those that I think you know you you probably already have Netflix. Might as well throw it on some night. You know, watch it. Oh yeah, definitely. Th- this yeah. is
4: definitely a recommendation. This is worth checking out. I think it's a really competent. In, intimate little three-hander uh, and you might feel the pacing, but I don't I really enjoyed it.
3: There you go. That is Windfall. Again, both Adam Project and Windfall are both on Netflix. Before we head into the Best Ever Challenge, just a reminder that you can be a Sif Pop member at Patreon. Patreon.com slash if you want to do that and we record a bonus podcast for members uh, at one of the levels. Uh, this week we talked about kind of updated Pixar thoughts with Turning red coming out, and uh, kind of got some opinions from John and Andrew on turning red uh, since we talked about that on the show last week without them. Uh, so if you want to check that out, go to patreon.com/siftpop and uh, check out all the fun there.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently.
3: All right, on to the best ever challenge. We're going to do best ever Ryan Reynolds movies. I was looking back in our archives, and I think we may have done this before, but it's been long enough that he's certainly been in some uh, new stuff, and we can kind yeah. of uh, take a look at our top fives. Uh, we'll go number five to number one. Uh, feel free to Trump if you have something higher.
4: Trumpity Trump.
3: Uh, let's see. I'll go first. Sure. I have the, the Croods. At uh, at number five, um, I think the original Croods movie is a pretty good movie, and I enjoy it quite a quite a bit. Uh, I think it has a real fun kinetic style of animation. Um, I think the the voice acting is clever and funny, and uh, I think it's a good. I think it's an under underrated animated gem, The Croods. I so.
4: almost watched this last night, and I decided instead for my best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts.
3: Oh, okay, yeah.
4: I'm going through box office, uh, the box office top ten from each year, and I've just finished every film from the '90s. But The Crude's is is not from the '90s, but it is on that list. Nice, so, nice. I will not trump Crude's one. <laughs> I know you won't. I, I'm, w- I'm waiting for that one.
3: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number five?
2: Smoke and Aces. Yeah. This is a uh, just a crazy movie. It's absolutely insane. Uh, it it never goes, like, as they would say in Spinal Tap, this goes to 11 with uh. its insanity. And while it's kind of a simple story, you know, there's a bounty on a guy in a hotel, and a bunch of crazy psychopaths come and try and kill him to claim the bounty. The, the thing that's most captivating about this movie, or interesting is a better word, is how the variety of criminals coming into this hotel is so... You know the spectrum of them all is so different. So you get to see, you know, the crazy chainsaw rednecks. You get to see the the cool female sniper stealth squad. You get to see, uh, oh, what's his name, Joel Edgerton. You know, trading faces. You know, it's a whole bunch of like, what is going on? Stuff that's really fun. I mean, it's not a movie for everybody, but
4: I had a blast.
3: Nice smoking aces in it. I will. I will
4: bump that up my watch list that I mean is you don't I've have seen. to right. <laughs> I won't <laughs> to be for my watch list has like 8,000 movies on it so bumping it up is still I won't get to it for a bit
3: yeah okay yeah. Uh, John what about you what do you got at number
4: 5 number 5 is uh, I guess if if uh, what, uh, Windfall was a three hander Buried is a one hander
3: Trump yeah that's going to be, trumped. Okay. That's All gonna right, be cool. Trump alright cool we'll
4: talk about Buried later then uh, all right, my number four is Free Guy. Recent, Me too. Uh,
3: movie uh, Andrew has it at number four as well. I will.
4: I will. I will bump that
3: trumpet. All right. All right. Mm. We'll wait. Sound the about... trumpets. So, John, where your number four then?
4: Uh, this is where I had the Atom Project actually. Nice. Uh, I don't, I don't know if this is only recency bias, but looking through Ryan Reynolds' filmography. I uh, hate to say it, he's been in a lot of mediocre stuff.
3: He really has.
4: <laughs> uh, like uh, The Hitman's Bodyguard, Green Lantern, Six Underground, Life. Uh, these are all like okay movies, but none of them wowed me. I don't know that The Adam Project did either, but again, having just seen it this week, I really liked it. And I legitimately almost teared up at one point. Mm-hmm. I loved the world building and the time travel stuff. So yeah, number four for me.
3: Very, very nice. All right, on to our number threes. Uh, I have The Proposal. Uh, At number three I really enjoy this movie Um, One of my favorite rom-coms You've got Ryan Reynolds Mm. And Sondra Bullock uh, Together, both of whom And, and don't
4: forget, Betty White
3: And Betty White, of course Betty Betty White's
4: so good in that film
3: Uh, She really is Um, It's just a lot of fun I really enjoy watching this movie Uh, Everybody's having a good time And so am I So yeah, Proposal comes in at number three for me Andrew, what about you? pick
2: well, uh, since you didn't have it at your number three, so I guess you're going to trump uh, Buried
4: Even Higher.
3: I will trump Buried Even Higher, yes. Yeah, yes. right on. Uh, John, what's your number three?
4: I, I hope I didn't mention any of your movies when I was listing the mediocre I thought film. about nobody that. Has, I thought nobody about has that. Green Lantern, right?
3: <laughs> we will really Like, I really like liked Man's
4: Bodyguard's Wife. I really liked that we, film.
3: We will find out shortly.
4: <laughs> uh, at number three, I have Adventureland, which was, I thought, a really sweet Sort of, uh, I want to, it's not really a rom-com, more of like a rom-drum teenage romance it's movie. It's an with, indie uh, rom-com, indie rom-com, that's a good way to put it. With, um, uh, a young Christian Stewart and uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg, and Ryan Reynolds plays sort of like the asshole older friend in this movie. I kind of forget his role, but I do remember he was a jerk throughout. Uh, the movie I, I remember it being really fun, really sweet. It was. One of the few Eisenberg movies where I tolerate his performance. He's not super annoying to me. <laughs> uh, and it's also like the kind of movie that Christian Stewart it was like born to play. That like quirky, kind of anxious, yeah. nail-biting, um, you know, adolescent. Uh, and it's, I think, one of the best films from both of those two. And they've gone on to certainly plenty of bigger and better things since. But sure. yeah, it's a really good like slice of life indie rom-com.
2: It is a really good movie and it barely missed my list. I was actually going back and forth. Between Smoke and Aces and that one. Uh, all right. So Adventureland.
3: Think, uh, Adventureland in at number three four. John. So on to our number twos. Um, yep. This is where I have Mississippi Grind. Um, this is one that a lot I of people... don't even know if I've
4: heard of this.
3: <laughs> so Mississippi Grind is a gambling movie. It is Ryan Reynolds and... Ben uh, Mendelsohn. Yeah. Yes, and I think it's from 2015, so just about seven years ago. Probably wouldn't have seen this if I wasn't cramming on like awards contenders, those kind of things. Um, But this is, and I'm blanking on the name of the movie, I think I can look it up, but this is almost a direct remake of a movie from the 70s. Um, that uh, was also about gambling and, and kind of what it means and how it's handled and those kind of things. It's really powerful. It's really good, interesting story work, interesting character work. Um, so yeah, if you haven't checked out Mississippi Grind, I would highly recommend it.
4: I I will. Are do you thinking of
2: California Split?
3: Yes, California Split. Yes, correct. It is it is almost a remake of California Split. Um, so it's yeah. a, like a good gambling movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah there you go Uh, that's my number two Andrew what is your number two
2: this is where I have The Crudes, A New Age
4: nice as regalus please again yeah infamous, I know you love this film
2: infamous now I think it's the funniest <laughs> movie of 2020 mm-hmm. I cried I was laughing so hard in the movie theater you expect to have all the kids giggling and stuff during all those parts which they were but in reality, the person who was laughing the hardest was a 35 year old man sure. sitting by himself, <laughs> just enjoying life and everything that.
4: Mommy, mm-hmm. what's wrong with this man? He won't yeah. stop laughing.
2: I, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. That's great. Yeah, this movie is hilarious. Actually, I was. I don't. I'm still unsure if it was my reluctancy to see this movie, to where I was shocked with how funny it was because unlike Aaron I thought the first Croods movie was so meh that uh, I was like actually on the verge of like oh I have to go and see Croods too and the fact that it was the funniest movie was just mind-blowing and so shocking but yeah absolutely
4: love a new age I am I am legitimately excited to see this because I've heard you talk about it a few times on the show now and I'm just like I I gotta check it out I'm, yep and it's one I of the highest rated Ryan movies I haven't seen yet. It's a, it's ahead of Smoke and Aces and Mississippi Grind and some of the other notable misses for me on here. Um, yeah, yeah, excited to see it.
3: Nice. Uh, all right, so John, what is your number two?
4: Free Guy. Oh. Which I feel I feel a little icky putting in here because I, I don't know that it's a second best film, but I I struggle to name another one of these movies I liked as much. Uh, like it's not Detective Pikachu, it's not Six Underground. It's not Red Notice. It's certainly not X-Men, Wolverine. Like, I, I don't uh, I don't know where else to put this. Like, yeah, I guess it's my second favorite. It was a lot of fun. I think this captured the ethos of video games better than almost any other direct adaptation. Uh, we talked about Uncharted last time I was on Sifpop Pop here, and, like, that was kind of whatever. Uh, yeah. But, like, Free Guy is not a direct adaptation of any one game, but I feel like it captured the style mm-hmm. of gaming and, in general, better than most. Um, and I don't know, there's a couple jokes in here that are just really, really funny and effective. And the emotional stuff from director Sean Levy really paid off. Yeah. Totally dug it.
2: Very nice. Yeah, it's interesting how with video game movies, it's always the direct adaptations that leave you wanting, while movies that are about video game culture are some of the best movies out there, like yeah, Free I, I, Guy or Scott Pilgrim, you know. Or like uh, these movies. Or Ralph, I think is another movie it's perfect example. Yeah. The movies that are about video game culture are always the ones that are, you know, like home runs. Yeah. It's weird.
3: Yep. Uh, I had it on my list at number four and really enjoyed it. Um, Just a, a lot of fun. And again, one of those movies that's like, I very, very easily and quickly am able to look past any of my silly little nitpicks or whatever, just to go, Hey, I'm having a great time. And, and enjoying this so yeah for you guys really fun really really fun uh all right number our, one time yeah onto our number ones mine has been mentioned twice already uh yep. buried is my number one ryan reynolds such movie. movie such um, a good movie i think it's incredible uh but i am a sucker for these kind of you know one place you know <laughs> one teeny tiny place. one teeny tiny claustrophobic place uh, yeah, you've
4: heard, you've heard of like the claustrophobic like one location, 12 Angry Men mm-hmm. is famously one of the all-time best to ever do the one location script. Yeah. But Buried is one person and the location is not even – it's a coffin. He's in a mm-hmm. box for the whole film. And I remember reading the pitch line going like how how do you make a movie feature length where you're not able to literally leave the the darkness of a coffin? And there's
3: – yeah, there's one other film that is very, very, very similar in that regard and that's Locke. Lock. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna say lock. where you yeah. in
4: the car the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah.
2: phone booth. Well, I guess phone booth you see more of New York than. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 A little bit more. There. But yeah, definitely lock. It's confined to the car, and this is <laughs> confined to the inside of that coffin.
4: This is and it, a, and it works though. It totally works.
2: It's an absolutely gripping, edge of your seat, white knuckling type of movie, and it's ninety percent all based solely on Ryan Reynolds' performance. Because this, if you want to point at a movie and say, oh, Ryan Reynolds has range, he yeah, can do right. other stuff, this, this is, is the movie that you point to.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that's why I have it at number one. Uh, Andrew, what's your number one?
2: Deadpool 2. Okay, all right. A lot of people would expect me to say just the first Deadpool movie. But if you were to uh, have me sit down and... Make me choose which movie do I want to watch? And we are Deadpool That's what we're or doing Deadpool right now. 2. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this is. Choose. Yeah. <laughs> I picked Deadpool 2. I think it's a funnier movie. Um, obviously, the, the first Deadpool movie was iconic and it did so many things where comic book fans all around the world were like, finally, you did it right. You made the R rating worth it, you made it work. It's funny. It's unique. There's some heartfelt moments in it. But, and whenever a lot of people look at Deadpool 2, you're like, yeah, they're just rehashing a lot of stuff that the first Deadpool movie did. And they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. They absolutely do. But if you were to tell, ask me which is the funnier movie that's going to make me laugh more, easily it's Deadpool 2. The whole Domino character is fascinating. I love that character. She's Mm -hmm. always been great. Um, (laughs) There's so many moments I want to talk about, but then I realize, oh, wait, that's not that's not podcast appropriate. Like uh, <laughs> like half of Deadpool being a baby is uh-huh. one of the funniest things ever. Uh, the whole fight scene at the end with Juggernaut and Colossus. It's great. I think it's just an incredibly funny movie. So, yeah, it's interesting.
3: Yeah. I don't begrudge you choosing two over one. I mean, first of all, I guess I'm not as a huge a Deadpool fan as a lot of people are. But the thing about two that I didn't like was it just felt so much like one. It just felt like, you know, the yeah. same kind of movie. But you're right. If you're choosing between the two, it may be the funnier movie. It's just Deadpool the first was the first to do it. And so yeah. it was like I wanted Deadpool 2 to do something different or do something new. And
4: I mean, that's yeah. the same, same type of argument you see with, like, which Star Wars movie is better. And, right. like, Empire empirically better. But A New Hope was what – did all the hard work, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that did all the heavy lifting, which is why my number one uh, is Deadpool One uh, for basically every reason you just said, uh, plus what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> so it it is like yeah, the humor is there. I just at yeah. the, the one point he says something like, "This was as much fun as a sandpaper dildo," and it's like this movie just yeah. this is this is just quirky. It's crude. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sarcasm is dripping everywhere, and so is the blood and the gore. It feels like a riff on like Final Destination. Meets just the crazy chaotic space inside Ryan's head. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is this is the part that Reynolds was born to play, and I'm yeah. just so glad both movies are such a fun time. I'm excited to see what Sean can do with number three. I'm interested to see how they integrate it into the Marvel universe, and to see like what, a guy who used to do family friendly films like Cheaper by the Dozen. What does he do with an R rating? I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm interested. Because these first two are just, they're, they're really like one, two for me. Um, yeah. But I only wanted to pick one for my top five here. But yeah, they're, they're so much fun.
3: I have the sneaking suspicion that I'm really going to like three. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, if he what?
4: can marry the crude gore with mm-hmm. like that emotional heart, yeah, uh, I, think we, I think we'd have a really you know, winning formula.
2: Uh, I forget the name of the upcoming Deadpool 3. I think it's like a... Which Way Home or something like that. It's a play off of uh, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man movies. That's great. Yeah. So <laughs> Nice. Nice. But yeah, I, John, you said something that I think bears repeating. And that is, I can't think of any other actor besides possibly Robin Williams playing the genie in Aladdin. Where you look at a character and you go, they were born to play this character. Like, they are tailor-made for this character. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are some out there, but for some reason, just like you look at Robin Williams in the gene, and you're like, it couldn't have been done any other way for that film. I'm not saying Will Smith did a bad job. I think he did a great job, but like you're no, not I, even- I totally get what you're saying. You're not even in the same ballpark. And it's with Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool, you're like, nobody could do it like him. He is perfect.
3: Yep. So. it's He was made for the role. That is for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh all right well there you go. Number
3: 1's Deadpool 2, Deadpool 1 and buried. Uh Those are all know?
4: excellent films. Yeah. Uh, I gotta go back and rewatch all of them, I think.
3: The only ones you didn't mention that I would mention is movies I enjoyed. Um, I kind of like Detective Pikachu. I think uh, yeah. it, it works yeah. okay. It was an honorable mention. And uh, Turbo was the other one that I think is, that was pretty, cute. is, is pretty cute. Yeah, that's, that's a little... That's
4: We're,
2: uh, Aaron, I remember I, you actually really enjoying Six Underground when it first came out. Are you still I, in that...
3: No, no, no. I mean, okay. So there's, there's, there's two versions of enjoying something. One is enjoying it and... Uh, saying it's it's a good movie because it, it I'm enjoying it in the way that the movie intended to be enjoyed, all that kind of stuff. Six Underground was one of those things where I just kind of um, enjoyed it in the aspect of what in the world is going on right now, uh, kind of enjoyed it. And so I just kind of gave myself to it. Um, but it's, it's not a great movie, in my opinion. Um, but I had fun with it just for whatever reason. I was in the mood for it. So, yeah.
4: One film we haven't uh, mentioned that I think deserves mentioning is Selfless, which is a high-concept sci-fi sure. film he did about I, seven I needed years ago. He did, I that movie. really he did. did. This, this one I really liked, and maybe I was just in a headspace where I was like, yeah, fine, whatever. I don't care. Because uh, I definitely remember being uh, maybe confusing. Uh, but yeah, he plays like a... A body transplant recipient for like billionaire Ben Kingsley, if I remember the mm-hmm. yeah, right? it's yep. it's very high concept, like modern sci-fi, and he's not sarcastic. This is a very dour and serious action mm-hmm. film for him. But uh, that was one that definitely made my honorable mentions. The rest, I've rattled off a few before. Uh, yeah, don't like change up. R.I.P.D. These are all whatever.
2: The very first movie I ever saw Brian Reynolds in was Waiting, and uh, you'll never want to go to a restaurant again. That's all I'll say. <laughs>
3: Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, all right, let's move into our buried treasure for the week. Uh, what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, I am taking the liberty to instead of doing a buried treasure, I will do uh, one man's treasure is another man's trash uh, and in I will talk about deep water, which is terrible. Um, I did see uh, deep water and uh, it is it is not not very good. Ben Affleck, Anadarmus, you think it'd be amazing? But It, it is...
2: looked a little too much, like in like it looked. It looked like, it like was a straight. lifetime
4: movie plus nudity.
2: Yeah, like it felt Fair. like it was up its own butt with its own pretentiousness. <laughs> yes,
3: yes, yes, exactly.
2: Um, it, it was so. Your buried treasure is this uh, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, sort of a thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's like, it is a, an
4: erotic
3: thriller that chose neither to be erotic or a thriller. Um, so Gee, yeah. that doesn't leave
4: you with much, does it?
3: <laughs> no, no, it does not. So yeah, I would avoid deep water at all costs. Uh, Jonathan, what about you?
4: Do I usually go last?
2: Yes, you do. Andrew, what about you? <laughs> well, look at John being on the show so long. He knows when he, he's knows, supposed that, to go. he knows what's up. Yeah. It's my
4: 25th time on Sift Pop. Nice. I hey, earlier. happy birthday. I want a prize now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> One for every Pixar movie.
2: You get, a, you, get a, uh, you get a knife set now. Yeah. Oh, great. Thanks. Um, I'm going to go with the show on Apple Plus, uh, Severance. I'm only three oh. episodes in. I got to say that up front. But I am finding this to be an incredibly interesting show. It stars Adam Scott, uh, John Turturro, Patricia Arquette, and Christopher Walken. And a, a myriad of
4: other people as well. I saw, I saw somebody else recommend this this week and it looked really intriguing. It's
2: very interesting about a company that when you go to work, switches your brain to where you're another person, which you're technically still yourself, but you while you're at work, you don't remember your social life. And then while you're in your social life, you don't know what work is. And so like as soon as you go to work, you switch back so one person always feels like they're at work they never feel like they leave the, the building whereas another person is stuck with uh who they were you know before they i forget the name of this procedure they call it like the split or uh the uh, uh the sever i think it's, it might actually be called the severance mm-hmm. now that i think about it that makes a lot more sense but uh yeah, it's an interesting movie with a really interesting concept, which was what initially grabbed me. But the story has some, like, a, ooh, where is this going to go kind of beats, you know, that keep you intrigued. So, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it. I really am. Like I said, I'm only three episodes in, but, uh, yeah, it's, well, worth, think a, think it's, it's worth a watch. I think
3: there's five now. I think there's yeah, five. Yeah, uh, seven, now.
2: actually. I think they're up to Oh, are they? Oh,
3: well, I've got a few
2: more to watch I'm then.
4: probably lying. Six aired. They got th- uh, three more to go beyond okay. episode order yeah. on Apple Plus.
3: So I'm just a little bit ahead of you. It's a great show. I recommend it to everybody. It's okay. It's really, really interesting and fun.
4: I, I just I love Adam at, Scott
2: in it. He's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah.
4: Totally. Looking at just the genre tags of psychological thriller, mystery, sci-fi, like that's when those when those marry together in a satisfying way, it's like chocolate and peanut butter. Like it's just yeah. delicious. That's all yep. the
2: food groups you need. Mm-hmm. All right,
4: John. Uh, My buried treasure this week is a podcast by um, actor-comedian Connor Ratliff called Dead Eyes. It embarks on a quest over 30-plus episodes to solve a very stupid mystery that has haunted Connor for two decades, why Tom Hanks fired him from a small role in the 2000 HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. Mm. He was cast, he got the role, and then he got a call and he went in and he was told through his agent that Tom Hanks thinks you have dead eyes, and this isn't going to work out. And he was fired. He never got on the miniseries. And so it's like a it's like a a, a serial-style podcast where mm-hmm. they like call up the different people and different witnesses, people who were in the room at the audition, people he knew, other agents that can sort of speak on character, O'Connor's friends and other associates, people that the guy that actually ended up taking his part in the miniseries, the real-life soldier the part was based on. They talked to his family. And it's like this deep-dive mystery into all facets and how this traumatic event reshaped Connor's career, and also just—it's an interesting interview show into the culture of Hollywood. And like, how do people, how do actors rebound from rejection? How do you take this mm-hmm. and improve yourself from it? And he has some sizably uh, uh, big-name talent uh, on the show. Just the first few episodes, uh, John Hamm guest stars and talks about one of his first rejections. It wasn't quite as cold and. Miserable as being told Tom Hanks says mm-hmm. you have dead eyes. But all of this is very fascinating. And the, the spoiler is Tom Hanks finally guest starred on the show last week, which is how I heard about it. And I've been furiously binging through the first three seasons. I think it's like 30 episodes total mm-hmm. to listen to the episode where he finally got Tom on directly to ask him, why did you fire me? Mm-hmm. Um and that's the kind of, that's like the you know the the white whale of this show to finally get Tom. so I'm so I haven't actually listened to that last episode but to know that you have like the murder suspect on your final episode is like good I can't wait to wa- listen to this mm-hmm. because I know there's going to be a fun ending at at the back of it. Yeah, that uh, sounds Dead fascinating. Dead eyes. Dead eyes it's on uh you know where you get your podcasts. Uh, and I would recommend it. they are also pretty short episodes like 30 35 minutes. Okay. Uh, I think they get a little bit longer as they go on but I'm fascinated by interviews with Hollywood folk, and this one delivers a lot of that deep dive stuff.
2: I'm definitely going to listen to it. That just sounds fascinating. I
4: quickly
3: uh, Googled a picture of Connor Ratliff, and, I mean, Tom Hanks is right. He does have dead
4: eyes, so I, I don't... <laughs> You're not I don't the say... only
2: one who immediately Googled him to see what his <laughs> eyes, like. just eyes look like. What does his eyes look like?
4: No, the, I mean, the guy is really introspective. He's a very fascinating person, um, and I think his sort of taking this experience and then like just laying it out in the, for the podcast for 3 years mm-hmm. now uh is yeah it's therapeutic and it's relatable and it's it's just very interesting. Man, it's been a the, really fun uh listen for sure.
3: The thickness of skin you have to have in the entertainment industry <sighs> It is, Absolutely. It is not Absolutely. easy. It is not easy. Well, there you go. That is Dead Eyes. That is a podcast. Uh, Severance is on Apple TV Plus. And Deep Water, uh, you should avoid on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. We did it, guys. We did a
4: podcast. Woo. Yeah, uh, we did.
3: Congratulations. Effort Proud was made of you. and success Thank you.
4: was achieved. You're very welcome.
3: Thank you so much for joining us today on Cif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Well, thanks, buddy. Uh, big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Hey, uh Thank you to John Paula for hanging out with us today. Woo. Always great to have you on, sir. Um, where would you like people to find you?
4: Uh, you can head over to my Letterbox, where it's I'm most active these days. Letterboxed forward slash John Paula J O N P A U uh, L A. I'm trying to review every movie I watch this month. Pretty sure I've already failed that goal. But uh, <laughs> last ten movies, I've reviewed those ten. And uh, yeah, there's some I got some hot takes on some stuff.
3: Nice. Got some Keep hot those, takes.
4: Get in them hot takes.
3: Keep those takes
4: piping fresh. <laughs> piping fresh. Yeah, I watched takes. I watched Paw Patrol with the kids the other day. The Paw Patrol movie. Yeah, I've heard it's good. It, it was really good, and I was like, what? Come on. This isn't supposed to be good. This could have been garbage, and it would have made a boatload of money.
3: Yeah, yeah. There you so. go. There you go. Uh, well, we appreciate you. Again, if you want to check out uh, John, you can go to his letterboxed. Uh He is the king of Letterboxed, in my opinion. Uh, much love, much love, and gratitude to our Sip Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You get access to all the bonus episodes as well as some other fun perks. Uh, you can find out more information at Patreon.com/sippop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can comment, rate, or leave a review in Apple Podcasts, or you can email us, feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so let them know about it and that listening is much easier than immediately executing a pulse leap with a discount lightsaber. We will be back next week with the Sposkers live show. Uh, so Oscars are next week. Get your Sposkers picks in and then join us for the live show, which will also be the podcast for that week. And we will catch you then.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.